chapter 26, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Time after time he would brief the apostles about what was going to occur. The Jews thought of crucifixion as a huge stumbling block. The idea of one of their own being crucified was bad enough. For it to be the Messiah to be crucified by pagan Roman soldiers was unthinkable. And yet for the most part the apostles needed to be constantly reminded about what was going to occur. 3. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who is called Caiaphas and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. High priests living in a palace sounds very much like organized religion to this day and once again these conniving religious fathers are once again holding a council to try and put the Messiah to death. 5. But they said not on the feast day lest there be an uproar among the people. They were more interested in their external righteousness. They were more interested in being recognized by the people and their so-called feast days, their so-called religion. And that really is another issue altogether that some people are more interested in their religion than the Lord God himself. 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. Simon the leper, we're not sure who this individual was, but uh, obviously by verse 6 he has been healed, but he still retains the stigma of once being a leper. The Lord would mix with the underclass. He was no respecter of persons. He put himself out. He went to where the common man and woman were. But like I've already said previously, that doesn't mean that we, the Bible believers, associate with the world, quote-unquote. We don't. We take the gospel out into the highways and the byways and if people come forward wanting to know more about the gospel then we make time for such people but here the Lord is in the property of Simon the leper having a meal from verse 7 and a lady approaches him with a box of alabaster and very expensive too 8 but when his disciples saw it they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Really? In reverse order, this expression given to the poor, were they really interested in the poor? I remember a conversation some years ago of a street preacher interacting with an unhappy party, and this unhappy party said to the preacher that it costs money to produce Bible tracts, meaning trees were knocked down to produce the paper so and so forth and he was trying in a roundabout way to say that it would be better to save the trees and not produce the bible tracks 
and the street preacher said well I take it you don't read newspapers then and you don't write letters and of course he'd made his point but here from verse 8 there is more than one person being cited his disciples they well Judas Iscariot I believe is one of them and possibly possibly Peter too and it shows that although these men are the Lord's chosen few they are his special flock they still need to grow and their imperfections their grumblings don't negate them from going on to do great things for the Lord and that's something which we should all take great pleasure in we should all be comforted when we fail when we stumble to go back to verses like this 10 when Jesus understood it he said unto them why trouble ye the woman for she hath wrought a good work upon me for ye have the poor always with you but me ye have not always they won't have him physically with them but the poor will always physically be with them and with us to this day so when you come across people that are offering themselves as Bible believers and yet spending more of their time trying to alleviate third world debt and trying to increase the minimum wage then take them back to this verse because the Lord said that the poor will always be with you but me I won't always be here not physically but by the last chapter he will be with us spiritually 12 for in that she hath poured this ointment on my body she did it for my burial verily I say unto you wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her this lady is an unknown saint in the New Testament she's not named and she's similar to the man that had the ass ready for the Lord to use on his way into Jerusalem what she did was penned by Matthew and I believe Luke has it too as a memorial she had the faith and in some ways she had more revelation about what was going to occur than the apostles did 14 then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them what will you give me and I will deliver him unto you and they commented with him for thirty pieces of silver and from that time he sought opportunity to betray him how somebody could spend three and a half years with a man that never sinned that did good every single day that never asked for anything himself how somebody like that could betray him is beyond me and yet it was foretold in the Old Testament and I'll get there shortly that this was going to occur what's even more shocking is that I don't think Judas even knew that he was fulfilling Bible prophecy which is even more alarming because people living today and people living in the tribulation are also going to be fulfilling Bible prophecy and for the most part won't even know it 17 now the first day of the feast 
of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. Once again, this man isn't named, but he knew the Lord, and the Lord is now telling the apostles to go and approach this unnamed man. 19. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? All of them were stunned at this revelation, and not one of them knew who the Lord was referring to. Pope Peter didn't know. Even John the Apostle, the youngest, didn't know. Lord, is it I? That must have sent a shudder to all of them. Could I be the one? Because they all saw their sin. They all knew that they were capable of doing something as awful as betraying him. Please turn to Psalm 41.9. All these things were prophesied hundreds if not thousands of years before they occurred. Psalm 41 written by David 1000 years BC. Look at Psalm 41 verse 9. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me, meaning he's going to kill him. He's going to attempt to put him to death. Now David wasn't put to death. He died a good old age, but the Lord was put to death, and he was cut down in his prime. Here, this prophecy written 1,000 years BC is being fulfilled, 30 AD. 23, and he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Again, the Lord's sovereignty a man's free will run side by side. Middle knowledge, like I've said repeatedly now, simply means that the Old Testament prophets looked into the future and they saw how person A or person B or person C would respond to any given situation. And how they responded gets penned in the scripture. It was written that the Messiah would be put to death. It was also written that he would be betrayed. Hence why Judas went to his place, i.e. hell. He got what he deserved. And also remember, in John chapter 6, Judas was called a devil. So you can't use John chapter 6 to suggest that one of the Lord's elect, that a saved party, can be saved one moment and lost the next. He was called a devil. Meaning, in my opinion, he was never saved to begin with. 25. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. His conscience must have been killing him at this moment. 
everyone has a conscience. We are told by the experts that psychopaths don't have consciences, that somehow they don't know right from wrong. I'm not sure I accept that argument. I'm sure once upon a time that psychopath, that individual, knew right from wrong, but maybe something went wrong as they grew up and they went on a killing spree and did what they did and as a consequence they simply suppressed their conscience they suppressed their wickedness they hide behind their sin and they lose themselves to their sin but here the conscience of Judas Iscariot must have been screaming at him is it I? is it I? what a thing to ask the Lord is it I? 26 and as they were eating Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body not his literal body please the whole notion of transubstantiation that the bread during the Catholic Mass becomes the literal body of the Lord Jesus Christ is completely abhorrent it's ludicrous the bread which he breaks is symbolic of his body anybody with an open mind anybody who hasn't been indoctrinated with Roman superstition should be able to perceive that 27 and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink ye all of it for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins not his literal blood his literal blood is still pumping in his body his heart is still working he's speaking to the apostles again the wine is symbolic of his blood when we break bread on a Sunday morning we use literal bread we don't use wine we normally use a fruit juice of some kind and for us they represent the Lord's body and the Lord's blood here the Lord is speaking to his Jewish apostles they are sitting around a pretty large table they are breaking bread they are having a Jewish meal how anybody can suggest that bread becomes flesh and wine becomes blood is beyond me but somewhere in the second and third century the church fathers came along and they approached scriptures like this and scriptures like John 6 and completely turned them upside down and it took the Reformation to free people from this cannibalistic ritual of the Eucharist being the literal body and blood of the Lord nonsense 29 but I say unto you I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom not literal wine also fruit of the vine but uh, also importantly he won't drink it himself until he's in his father's kingdom for me that is in reference to the 1000 year reign 30 and when they had sung a hymn they went out into the Mount of Olives then saith Jesus unto them all ye shall be offended because of me this night for it is written I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad I the Lord God will smite the shepherd Jesus Christ and the sheep the apostles 
shall be scattered abroad foretold in the Old Testament fulfilled 30 AD written 39 AD and presented to the Jews same time 32 but after I am risen again I will go before you into Galilee not Jerusalem the holy city not Rome not London not Washington not Milan not Paris not Berlin when the Lord returns he won't go to Hong Kong he won't go to Shanghai he won't go to Perth he will go to Jerusalem and that's why all of the world religions all of the hotspots around the world are all fighting and arguing over Jerusalem that's where the Lord is going to go back and that's why we as Bible believers those of us that are pre-millennial stand shoulder to shoulder with Israel Israel as a nation had the deeds to that land the land was given to the Jews that's why we support Israel's right to be in the land we don't stand with the politics or the politicians we don't even stand with the religious Orthodox or Hasidic Jews for that matter because they're not saved but we stand with Israel's right to the land because the Word of God told us that the land was given to the Jews unconditionally and as Bible believers we are bound to believe that and to uphold it and to defend the Jews right to be in the land 33 Peter answered and said unto him though all men shall be offended because of thee yet will I never be offended and he probably meant it he probably thought he would stand firm because he loved the Lord and I've said several things in recent chapters about Peter being weak and being carnal and being this and being that but he loved the Lord and the Lord loved him and here he's being honest he thinks that he can be the exception to 31 but of course when the pressure is increased when persecution arises Matthew chapter 13 people fall people stumble sometimes they fall away for 5, 10, 15, 20 years even and drift in the wilderness other times they may just fall temporarily and get back up again but here this is Peter being honest he actually thought he would be the exception to this corporate falling away from 31 34 Jesus said unto him verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice three times you will deny me before the night's out yet another prophecy given by the Lord 35 Peter said unto him though I should die with thee yet will I not deny thee likewise also said all the disciples I'm sure they did I'm sure they all believed that they wouldn't betray him again they have grown close to him he's been with them for three and a half years some have given up everything to follow him he's their older brother in many ways and they all wanted to stand shoulder to shoulder with him they despised the Romans 
they must have hated the apostate Jewish leaders and therefore they thought they would be able to be victorious with him and stand shoulder to shoulder with him they wouldn't be able to do so pre-Pentecost but post-Pentecost they were victorious with a capital V 36 then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples sit ye here while I go and pray yonder and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy Peter, James and John the inner three even at the eleventh hour he wants them with him as he goes to pray Peter would do great things for the Lord post his death James would be martyred by Acts chapter 12 and John would write his incredible gospel Revelation 1st, 2nd and 3rd John and he would adopt the Lord's mother then saith he unto them my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death tarry ye here and watch with me they wanted to be partakers of his baptism if you remember from previous chapters they are now going to witness the Lord going through the agony here the son of man is preparing himself to be sacrificed for the sins of the world and Peter is also given a front row seat to witness this 39 and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying O my father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as I will but as thou wilt here God the Son is speaking to God the Father if it be possible let this cup pass from me he knows it's not possible he knows only God himself can forgive sinners if you sin against God only God himself can forgive your sins 40 and he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter what could you not watch with me one hour watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak Romans chapter 7 Paul laments over his battle with the flesh here the apostles are exhausted they are emotionally drained hence why they are sleeping and the Lord wanted them to stay with him and even in the garden they failed him he said it would happen and they said no 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 it won't happen we won't desert you and yet even here even at this peaceful point before the Lord's arrest and detention and torture they've already failed him because the spirit is willing they wanted to of course they did but the flesh is weak hence why we need to be born again and why we need to pray in the spirit without ceasing we need to have our faith increased otherwise we too start to fall into sins and even backslide if we're not careful 42 he went away again the second time and prayed saying 
O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. They can't keep up with him. They can't handle what's going to occur. It's also late into the night. This prayer service must have been something which they've never seen before. Micah says he was crying and screaming, howling, and they just couldn't handle it. So they closed their eyes and even fell asleep, hoping it would pass. Sometimes when you're depressed, sometimes when you are really down, all you want to do is just go to sleep and let the mist pass over you, the black fog, as uh, one British Prime Minister once called it. 43. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Judas Iscariot, of course. 47. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude, with swords and staves, from the chief priests and elders of the people. They thought the apostles would put up a fight. Peter did, but the others didn't, so they didn't know what to expect. But here, they are coming armed or tooled up, as they say in the films. They don't really know what to expect. 48. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. It's night time. All the apostles are bearded men, and they wouldn't have known who the Lord was unless Judas had given them a sign. 49. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. To the best of my knowledge, Judas never called Jesus Lord, but Master. And here, once again, for me, this is a snub to the Lord's deity. 50. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they, and laid hands on Jesus, and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, and drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priests, and smote off his ear. Peter, of course. 50. Friend. What an amazing statement. Friend. And yet he's going to be betrayed at any moment. 52. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. The Lord here is upholding capital punishment, but he doesn't want the apostle Peter to kill this servant of the high priest he's come to die for the sins of the world and yet Peter said he wouldn't desert him he's already failed him in the garden so he thinks I'll make up for it now but once again Peter gets it wrong 53 thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be 
chapter 16 he says to Peter get thee behind me Satan Peter tries to do the best he can but time after time he makes the blunder of trying to get too involved with what the Lord has to do his heart has always been in the right place Peter was a remarkable man he got the keys to preach at Pentecost that's how much the Lord loved him but here he's made once again a huge mistake and the Lord says I could pray for 12 legions of angels thousands of angels if I wanted to but like he rebuked John back in the Gospel of John when he wanted to call fire down from heaven to consume the unbelieving Samaritans he said I haven't come to destroy men's lives I've come to save men in the heat of the moment Peter does what he has always done he reaches for his sword thinking that he's going to do the Lord a favor foolishness but it's understandable 55 in that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me I sat daily with you teaching in the temple and ye laid not hold on me but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled 55 I've been with you in the temple every day but you didn't dare take me then because the people would have stoned you and here you are coming out to arrest me in the dead of night like cowards but the scripture has foretold this is how it was going to happen again they didn't know that they were fulfilling Bible prophecy which one more time for me is quite alarming because it is not only possible but it is probable that during the tribulation most of the world are going to be fulfilling Bible prophecy and not be aware of it and even more worryingly they are going to be on the side of the Antichrist not the Christ hence why it is imperative to be saved and to get into the Bible straight away then all the disciples forsook him and fled he said it would happen but they didn't believe it but by this stage it's too much and they are departing from him as quickly as they can 57 and they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders were assembled but Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death but found none yea though many false witnesses came yet found they none and at the last came two false witnesses and said this fellow said I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days and the high priest arose and said unto him answerest thou nothing what is it which these witness against thee but Jesus held his peace and the high priest answered and said unto him I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ the Son of God Jesus saith unto him thou hast said nevertheless I say unto you hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven just a few points to flag up before I continue to read on 
here the Lord is being interrogated by the religious elites. He's not going to give them a personal invitation to believe on him, to be saved. They despised him, they hated him, and therefore they are under the condemnation. Peter is trying to be faithful to his earlier promise to never forsake the Lord. He's already failed him in the garden. He's failed him with the attempted execution, I would say, of the high priest's servant. And he got told off for that, and he's trying to remain faithful to the Lord by keeping a distance. And yet he knows that the denial that the Lord has said would occur is just around the corner. So maybe he's trying to undo what the Lord has told him is going to occur. By 64, the Lord says, you will see me coming on the clouds of power. That is a messianic term as a son of man coming from Daniel 7. And that must have made their blood boil because they are absolutely furious at this stage. And let's read on from 65. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. That's why they put him to death. Because he claimed to be deity. Had he said, I'm just a god, or just a prophet, or a guru, or this or that, it wouldn't have made a huge difference to them. But to claim to be the son of man, coming on power, coming with clouds, put him in the condemnation, put him in the bracket of being a blasphemer, in their eyes at least. 66. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face, and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Even if he had been guilty of blasphemy, which he wasn't, but even if he had been guilty of blasphemy, this behavior is totally unacceptable, even by Old Testament standards. And again, it shows me the cruelty and the contempt and the absolute loathing that these so-called religious fathers had for the Jewish Messiah. 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him, and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by, and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. This statement that Peter's speech betrayed him must suggest that there were many dialects in Israel during the first century, much like there is in the United Kingdom, the north, the south, the midlands, the southwest, the northeast, the northwest. There are many different accents in the UK, and here Peter's accent was that from somebody from Galilee. He was a Galilean, and his speech betrayed him, and here he's being challenged, and he denies the Lord. Look at 74. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. Here you find a saved man swearing, cursing, denying 
Just because you're saved doesn't mean you are sinless. Just because you are bone of his bone or flesh of his flesh doesn't mean you are immune from what we find here concerning Peter. Peter is under a huge amount of pressure. The spirit is willing. He's followed the Lord right up to the grounds of the palace. But the flesh is weak. But when he's questioned, he panics. He denies the Lord. He swears he curses. Willful sin? If it's willful sin, and if you hold to conditional security, he's lost his salvation. Because if you sin willfully, according to Hebrews, there's no more sacrifice for you. There's no more forgiveness of sins. Meaning, you've lost your salvation. That's if you hold to conditional security. But if you hold to eternal security, you know that you are still saved. But if you fall into this situation, you need to confess your sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here, Peter is heading to a meltdown. 75. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. This chapter began with the Lord giving his apostles their final briefing and here the oldest apostle is weeping bitterly over his sin his denial his betrayal of his Lord and Master you can't imagine the anguish that Peter must have experienced at this point in his life he's been with Jesus for three and a half years and here he has betrayed his master he must have been as low as one could possibly be and yet later he is going to be forgiven restored and given a wonderful opportunity to preach to his own people about the risen Messiah and I want to close this chapter if I may with a true story of a saved lady and for many years she wasn't saved and on one occasion she took her mother to a spiritualist church and her mother was a spiritualist all her life and died a spiritualist and her mother had an awful death but more on that another time but uh, this lady wasn't saved at the time and she took her mother to a meeting and during the meeting she went to the kitchen to wash up cups to make tea and coffee for these people during a break in their service. All sounds very innocent and it was at the time to some extent anyway but years later this lady got saved and she remembered that she took her mother to a church had gone inside the church with her mother and had washed up cups and had served tea and coffee to those that were present for the spiritualist service she wept bitterly that's repentance people she was already saved Peter 
I believe was saved pre this and that came to her mind and because she loves the Lord she felt awful and she wept bitterly true repentance true repentance anyway 75 verses and I am nearing the end of uh, my presentation through Matthew's Gospel